0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Coffee with Warriors podcast. If you are someone who feels as though you cannot openly talk about sex or are being judged for even saying that word, then this episode is for those who judge you or in general create a sense of shame around it. To talk about dealing with such shame, making sex as a topic less awkward, to provide basic sex education and to address several emotions that come with it, we have with us Karishma Swarup. Karishma uses pronouns she or her and is an internationally experienced sexuality educator and advocate. She holds an undergraduate degree in geology and biology from Brown University and runs a sex ed Instagram page at Talk You Never Got. While studying in the US, Karishma volunteered with Planned Parenthood to teach sex ed to high schoolers for three years. After graduating, Karishma worked as a middle school science teacher in Brooklyn before she began her work in sex ed. In India, she conducts workshops and online webinars with top educational institutes, student groups, and young adults across India. She also volunteers for Skalteen, USA, one of the oldest sex ed websites for young people around the world. On a day-to-day basis, Karishma works as a global consulting firm as an analyst. In her free time, she enjoys acting for theatre, trying to train her dog and writing poetry. Hi, Karishma. I feel so honored and fortunate to have you here. Thank you for taking our time to be here with us and bless this occasion. And I can't wait and talk about the most awkward conversation in our society and break the taboo and
1: shame around it. Hi, Nishtha. Thank you so much for having me. I think it is so cool to be talking to you and I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, Yeah, and thanks for that introduction. I can't wait to jump in.
0: I can't wait to jump in too. So, Karishma, before we begin, so since you have been a sex educator for quite some time now, could you start by telling us how and when did you feel like this was something you wanted to take up and make a career in? And as it's something very different and I feel like you are the first to do this coming from a society where sex in general is the most awkward conversation one can have.
1: Yeah, so... That's a good question and everyone loves to ask me this because it just like how basically growing up right like there was very little of this Um, you know what it was like in school where we just had like one period somewhere with the school counselor and she gave us like half-baked unstructured information (laughs) and which which now in hindsight I can even say was inaccurate information and so My journey really started when I went to college. Mm. I um, went to college in the US. And in my first semester, I was acting in a play. And the director of the play just like casually said, oh, you know, I teach sex ed to high school students as one of my extracurriculars. And I remember being so shocked and surprised yeah. and thinking like my god like I don't even know any of this how is someone my age like going out and teaching yeah um high school students and then they mentioned a few things and I was like like someone went like oh yeah like you must be talking about water-based lubes with condoms and I remember like looking black <laughs> I'd never even probably heard of lubricant you know like yeah. let alone knowing that there are different types and how to use and whatnot right. so I think, like, something happened in the next six months or so, but when that club opened applications, I decided to apply. And um, that's really just where it started. I started by doing this volunteer work of teaching high school students, sex ed. And a large part of that was, like, having to self-educate a lot to be able to, like, answer questions and things like that. Because at that point, like, that club just didn't have much... um, you know, they didn't have a lot of training or professional resources and stuff. And so I started there. And then I ended up leading the club, we partnered with Planned Parenthood, we got training from Planned Parenthood. And so I think that just really changed the game for me to get actual best practices and training from them. And then when I was coming home over breaks, I did some workshops with a different school in Calcutta here. And I think, that's when I started to realize, right? Like, this is something everyone needs to be talking about. The content is largely similar across geographies. And um, the need exists in India, at least at every level, every demographic. And that's kind of where I was like, okay, we need to talk about this. I need to talk about this in some way, shape or form to whoever is willing to listen, whichever
0: age group. That is so interesting. And I couldn't agree more. Like it's so important to talk about it, especially here. And I love how, because I can totally relate to from where you've come from, having almost zero knowledge in this topic because we've never really been taught it. And to go into a place where people are so open and so knowledgeable about it. So in fact, I can, when you tell me that you didn't know what a loop was, I got to know what it was because of your reels. So honestly, your Instagram page has, really helped me in gaining the basic knowledge that I have now and that's only because of you so thank you for that also what was your in- <laughs> what was mm. the intention behind your extremely popular Instagram page with like some 35 36,000 followers so in fact I'll tell you a really unexpected way of how I came across your page okay so I was mindlessly scrolling through reels one day and I came across that particular reel of yours in which you were teaching on how to make your own dental dam and it apparently went viral. I think it reached more than 5.3 million views and I was like wait she looks so familiar to the captain we had in school and I happened to go and check your profile and I was like oh my god that is her her." and she's taken up such an amazing initiative and after that I remember just scrolling through your reels and sharing it with some of my friends okay like did you know that did you really know that like is that true and you know there's something like the first <laughs> and like as I said like I didn't know about the looping till I saw your reels I hadn't even seen a condom till I saw it in your reels like when you were cutting it to make that dental dam, I had never seen what a condom looks like. Oh my
1: so God.
0: <laughs> exactly. So that's what I felt as a, you know, as an 18 year old, I still don't have the basic sex education because I've never been provided with proper guidance. And there are so many like me and it's just so important and just sad that, you know, nobody talks about it. So what was your intention behind starting that Instagram
1: page? Yeah. So I mean very similar to you right like I didn't have all that information and very much like school never talks about even like we don't even see a picture of a condom let alone see an actual condom and I think that the difference is right like when I went and did this volunteer work in the US we were allowed to take condoms to class do demonstrations you know have them in a bowl and be like if you kids want to use them, please take them. Of course, like age of consent in the U.S. is 16, so it was a little more relevant. But um, like you and I'm sure you can vouch for this, but people your age are having sex. People, you know, teenagers are having sex in India. And I think that everyone is in denial about this. And so just like being exposed to this very deep, comprehensive sexuality education curriculum, I was like, there is like, it changed my own outlook as an adult. And then I saw the effect it was having on the young people I was interacting with the high school students. So like class nine, 10, there would be like, basic things like I remember, uh, I was teaching a lesson about consent. And this boy was like, Oh, I'd, you know, I, I was like, Oh, I was showing examples of consent like what is a yes what is a no then I was like okay what if someone says maybe is that a yes or a no so then they were like oh I don't know some people give answers then I was like okay well we are going to treat it as a no because unless someone's like enthusiastic excited about doing something it is considered a no yeah and there's a boy sitting there, and he just He was like, oh, that makes so much sense. I didn't know that. Cool, thanks. And I remember just like, I remember just being like, wow. Like I just changed someone's outlook on consent casually. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) just like, it was no big deal. And I think that's what it was, right? Like, and it was things like that. It was things like that. It was things like a boy who like was very rigid about gender roles the first class. By the fifth week, he was wearing a glittery pink ring one day in class. And I was like, okay, Like something is changing here. There's something actually happening and people valued it so much. And that's when I was like, okay, I really want to do this in a big way in India. And I thought about it. I said, okay, it was pandemic last year when I was like really getting serious about this. I did a lot of research. I spoke to every person I could come in contact with who was working with young people, NGOs, um, doing like sex ed work, uh, people who were teaching abuse prevention programs, people who had done one-off workshops in their life, like, you know, all different, different demographics. And my understanding was basically that schools do not prioritize this the amount they need to, and especially not during the pandemic. Absolutely. And so... And yeah, I couldn't agree more. And also... Being
0: a Gen Z member myself, you know, we are often known as a generation which normalizes awkward topics. I have several thoughts which provoke and intrigue me. Like we all are biological beings with desires and urges, of course, but we often like suppress those feelings thinking that, you know, it's not morally correct, either because of our upbringing or how society has taught us to create this hush around FAP. Or even sometimes we feel as though it doesn't align with our religious beliefs, And more than that, we label people who talk about it openly or do it before marriage as sluts or ill-mannered with no shame. So based on what does a person know if what they're doing is the right thing to do? And is there any particular age after which one should engage in such kind of sexual activities? Or who should they really even go to if they need proper guidance? Gosh, you're asking me like... Questions, big big questions. I'm sorry to have so many in mind because I just I literally don't know the answers to most no. of them. No,
1: and, and that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. I, I get it, and that's why I'm doing this work, but it's also like I wish I could answer all that in a sentence, you know. Okay, <laughs> let me let me try let me try and break that down. So um to start with this right and wrong question, right? Like I think it is very difficult to Um, even as an educator, I've, I'm often faced with this issue where like someone in class will be like, no, but my parents said this X thing was wrong. And in, especially in the U S right, like it was not necessarily always about relationships, but it was usually about something like, okay, being gay is wrong or something like that. Right. And, um, the way that we approach that is to tell young people that, listen, what is the meaning of right and wrong, right? Like those are values. Those are personal values that are informed by your culture, by your uh, personal morals, by your um, religion, whatever it might be, like you said. Yeah. But what is the scientific fact? Is Scientifically, is there anything wrong with masturbating? No, there isn't. Scientifically, are there any like negative effects of experiencing pleasure or being in a relationship? No, yeah. there aren't, right? And so I think it really is a question of like telling young people that here's here's what some people think is right. Here's what other people think is right. And here's the scientific fact. And now I'm going to leave it up to you to make that choice because I'm not going to be out here telling you what's right and wrong because it's really like a question of your own personal values. And I don't want to like come here and reject everything you've ever been told because that can be also alienating in its own way. Having said that, there are a few non-negotiables, right? So like with that example of it's okay to be gay, like those are basic human rights. right? It's not a question of like, is someone in a relationship at 16 versus 18? It's more a question of, is this person being recognized as a person and are they getting the rights that they deserve? So the way that comprehensive sexuality education is structured, especially based on the UNESCO technical guidelines, like they have a heavy emphasis on a rights-based approach. So every single thing you teach and consider needs to be keeping in mind that everyone has a right to accurate information evidence-based like scientific information about their bodies about sexuality and has the right to make choices about it okay now um you asked many other things wait (laughs) (laughs) let me remember what else you said Hmm. so So uh, then you hmm. yeah go ahead you said is there a right age right yeah
0: is there a right age right time yeah
1: yeah i think Like legally, there's a very clear answer to that. The Legally in India, the age of consent is 18. So even if two 17-year-olds both mutually decide that they want to have sex, that they legally cannot. Yeah. Okay. But that's a different question because I think there's like some debate around what is the right age of consent and whatnot. I encourage people to think about why does this law exist? This law exists to protect young people from... Abuse. It's plain and simple, right? And I'm sure you experience it yourself, even a small age gap. If like someone is 18 and, and they're dating someone who's 20, who's like gone off to college and has a life of their own, it can create somewhat of a power dynamic. Not saying that's always the case. It happens pretty often. And I think it ends up also happening such that, and and maybe you also know someone who's experienced this, but but I certainly do, where there'll be like a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old who's in a relationship with a much older person. Yeah. And sadly, like gender does come into play. It's usually like an older man with a really young girl or something. And the way that it turns out, like the, the teenager will completely think that, oh yeah, I'm in love, like this is great, but because of the unhealthy power dynamic, because the adult knows more what's going on, um, it it is a relationship that would be considered abusive depending on the context, right? And so um, I think that's why like I encourage young people to really think about when it comes to age, like ask yourself these questions, is my relationship healthy? has my do I feel compelled to do the things my partner wants me to do does my partner try to control my behaviors things like that um that's the first thing second thing is you have to be really well informed about what you're signing up for and I think I don't know what your experience of this was but for me at least I didn't know how much about sex I didn't know okay like yeah yeah. it was just (laughs) there was so much I thought i watched a couple of videos I got whatever I needed but there's so much like detail and information like you need to know what's gonna happen if your condom breaks before you have sex you need to know Who you're going to talk to in case your period doesn't come before you have sex. And for a lot of people, that means not like, like, right, like legally a doctor is not allowed to uh, administer certain like reproductive health things to someone under 18 without reporting them for under 18 sex. Whether What happens in reality is a different question. But what I'm saying is those are things to consider when someone makes that choice of having sex. Being like, okay, here are some, here are the risks involved. Here are the positives involved. And I feel prepared to take this on because here are my solutions if something does happen. And I think that's the right age when like, you know what the next steps would look like if like you needed to basically.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. I feel that's so important and so many things like we don't know. So like as you mentioned that till uh, you're not 18 you're not legally allowed over here but again even if you're above 18 why I personally feel is from whatever whoever I've spoken to is that it's really when the partner like when both both of them feel comfortable and both of them feel like it's the right thing or the right time to do it I feel like that is when uh the, so there's no like right mm-hmm.
1: to have it yeah, yeah. Like, age-wise um, yeah you're right like 18 is also not an age most people are ready like a yeah. lot of people wait till much later yes. and this because this age exists sometimes people feel oh no like now I need to look for sexual partners yeah. you know yeah. that's,
0: that's again that's something I feel like that's happening a lot and that's just sad because they come under this peer pressure that okay there are so many people who've had it all my friends have had it but I haven't so to get into that and to like feel like they're a part of something which is very superficial they just force themselves to doing it so I feel yeah that is again something which is of concern but anyway when we speak about sex right there are so many emotions that are related to it so it can be either the dopamine rush and the pleasure so which emotions really indicate that a person is ready for sex and if it's the right time like Right time, okay, we we get that when the partners are comfortable with it. But um, if the person is doing it, how do they know that the person is the right one to have it with? And do you think like they should discuss it before, like with their partner before doing it? And should they be getting some STIs done to be more cautious beforehand?
1: That's an excellent question. So um, in terms of emotions, I think safety is a big one. Yeah. And um, I say that because... And I see that, like, not only physical safety, like, okay, maybe you're sure your partner's not going to harm you or force you into doing something you don't want to do. But even emotional safety, are you able to comfortably just say no? Are you able to just, like, in the middle of everything, everything's, like, hot and happening, you've decided what you're going to do, but then you change your mind in the middle?
0: Yeah. If,
1: like, that is the sign of a healthy relationship, just, like, being able to completely stop and change course and be comfortable voicing that
0: absolutely yeah. and
1: that and that comfort is not one-sided like it's not like you have to decide that but it's also like a question of does your uh, partner create a space that's safe and welcoming okay um you asked like should they discuss it before definitely should be discussed because um especially with your first time right like there's so many variables involved mm-hmm. you're you're figuring out your body they're figuring out their body you know like Maybe you've never seen your body in, a, in this yeah. type of context before. Um, there's just so many different, different factors involved that it is only helpful and useful to talk about it ahead of time. This thing we see in movies of like, oh, it just happened or like we weren't yeah. expecting it and like suddenly magically everyone knew what to do and what was happening. All that like is not very realistic because... Yeah. In real life, you need to make sure you have bought a condom, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you need to make sure you have a safe space, a closed space where, like, your parents aren't going to walk in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that might look like, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, definitely discuss ahead of time. Um, In terms of STI ret- ret- testing, yeah, I-, I think in an ideal world, everyone would be getting STI tested before every time they like switched partners or had a new partner. Yeah. That's just unfortunately like not the reality today. Yeah. <laughs> because STI tests are quite inaccessible also, like they're quite expensive. So if you're like, even if you're 18, 19 years old, maybe you don't have three five three thousand five thousand to spend um, on a panel of STI tests. Yeah. no. So true. yeah. So I would say more important... I mean, yes, get tested if that's accessible to you for sure. But also be aware of how to reduce risk of STI transmission. So let's say your partner does have an STI or you might have an STI and not even know it. Um, Use a condom, uh, you know, like don't share sex toys. There's a few different like precautions one can take to reduce that risk. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And I feel that's so important. Like, as you mentioned, that like, as you mentioned, it's so important to be comfortable and just saying no, because again, consent is the most important thing. And if you're not comfortable with the person you're doing it with, and if you can't openly express your feeling, then don't do it. And uh, yeah, definitely like discuss it so that you know that you both are on the same page and you just want to really do it. And uh, getting tested for STIs is something which I, whoever I've spoken to, it's something that is so important but yet it's not given the importance that it should be given like you get what I I mean like people just do it because they're in the moment and then they're like you know okay we should we maybe we should have gotten a test done before so yeah I feel like that is more like that is important to be done beforehand so that you know you've planned it way into the future and like you know that you're going to do this sometime soon I totally agree also what are the most common myths related to sex just name a few (laughs) like personally for me i thought yeah.
1: like, mm-hmm.
0: personally for me i thought like the first time that you have sex it has to be painful and like and also the sexual identity of a person i thought it never changes but your reels clearly busted those so what are some other popular myths that most people believe in
1: i think this pain one is huge yeah um people with vaginas in general have this idea that they are supposed to experience pain during sex period, like not even, not even first time only, definitely first time only, but also in general. And I think it was something that I'm still working with largely, right? Like because people still don't fully believe that or they realize that they're experiencing pain and then don't really know what's happening, stuff like that. Okay. So that's one. The second big, 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 big myth is that, is this what we've talked about, that people especially older adults think that young people are not having sex yeah <laughs> and it's it's such a harmful myth because the or or they're in denial or what i don't know but it's the most harmful myth because those are the people in position in decision making powers who are like writing the policy around sex education yeah. who are uh, teachers principals whatever parents um, so i think that's a huge second myth um, yeah, it's hard for me to narrow down, but those are those are two really big yeah. ones. Yeah, I yeah, think I, yeah. The other one is that is that this idea that like people with vaginas don't masturbate, and early. I think that that's a myth. It's not that, real. Yeah, I mean there are people who actually believe in that. Oh, for sure. I fully did not know that people act like that women masturbate until I was much older you know I knew boys did it but I just was like no that's not possible girls don't do it because there's this idea that it's so bad and so gross and all that uh, this myth exists that they don't do it and then in turn people who have thought about trying it they're like no 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 this is not something I'm supposed to do and then therefore they also don't do it it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy but leads to a lot of problems later on
0: true no i i couldn't agree more and i feel like these are so important but again like people don't have enough knowledge about because it's not spoken about enough so like people really don't even know how to address it or they don't even have the basic sex ed that they need you know i i I couldn't agree more uh okay so and uh, we end every single episode with a rapid fire round so you can answer them either in one word or in a sentence maximum so the first question is what is the most common question you get asked about sex
1: Ah, oh, very good question I think it is what is an orgasm
0: okay yeah yeah I feel like that's something even I don't know clearly you know to be very honest <laughs> yeah what is one advice you wish you would have given your younger self
1: gosh I think it would be that your emotions are data and so if you're in a situation or a, re- or a relationship where you feel like someone, something just feels off yeah. and you can't really explain why, or like someone is telling you that, like, listen, what you're feeling is unjustified or, or they're saying that what you're feeling is wrong or my way, my opinion is the only correct opinion, that sort of thing. Um, listen to your inner feelings, listen to your emotions because those are data, they they exist for a reason, and they're telling you something's wrong, they're trying to protect you. And uh, yeah, and I think uh, I could have prevented many things in my life if I had listened to my emotions more.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, right? Also, what is one thing you would want every single Gen Z member to know?
1: One thing, I have like a hundred things I want everyone to know. I think, I think it's this. um, I kind of touched upon it earlier. You don't know what you don't know. So please like (laughs) stay curious, keep learning and pursue the information that you were never given by these structures.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. There's so much knowledge out there, which you don't even know that you don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. If you could create one law in the world, which everybody had to follow, mm-hmm. what would it be?
1: Hmm, I don't know, because laws aren't always equal to practice. But, and there's so many I have in mind, but I guess it would just be something like, something basic, like, around gender, I feel like people should be allowed to identify with any gender, regardless of their sex assigned at birth. And I think laws in India are currently such that if you want to change your gender assignment, you need to um, prove that you've had some type of um, surgery, gender reassignment surgery and stuff, which... Is really messed up and traumatic and not everyone wants that, not everyone has access to that. And so yeah, I think just like basic human dignity for people who are trans.
0: Yeah, I feel that's so important because how can you prove? I mean, yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So thank you, Karishma. That was really such an informative episode. I truly learned so much. And I know for a fact that all our listeners must have gained so much insight from our conversation today. Thank you so much for being so considerate with your time and being here and really just talking your heart out. It really means a lot.
1: Thank you so much for having me and for making space for this conversation, even though it's literally like a talk you (laughs) never got. i love that for all you listeners you all
0: have to go follow her instagram page at the handle talk you never got right now you'll be surprised at the content and the knowledge that you will gain from it which you didn't even know before because as she mentioned there's so much you don't even know like you don't even know how much you don't know so go follow her right now and thank you so much for coming here today thank you so much for having me